You're listening to the Broncos Audio Zone. You're in the Broncos Audio Zone. I'm Andrew Mason, joined by Ryan Edwards of KOA News Radio and Broncos Country Tonight. And the first 53 is in. I, I always hate to say this is the final roster. A, there's no such thing as a final roster. It's all always in flux. And B, Ryan, just looking at the roster right now, listening to John Elway with some interesting takes on, for example, finding a fullback while Andy Janovich is out, saying he's going to look to add a tight end. They're going to take a look at Corey Nelson, the former Bronco linebacker who's out there. They're looking for another quarterback. The less-than-ringing endorsement from John Elway of River Craycraft as the punt returner. I think you're looking at at least four, maybe five moves coming up in terms of additions over the next 48 hours or so. Well, we know it for certain because three guys are going on IR. And so Jake Butt, uh, along with Drew Locke and Theo Riddick, are all going to go on IR with the potential for being recallable it sounded to me like the hope is that drew lock could be recallable and that because that was kind of the first thing out of john's mouth is we're going to be putting him on recallable but then he kind of backtracked it well it's we don't really have to announce anything so right now they're all kind of going to be on ir so that's three moves right there and they said that they did this with the quarterbacks with hogan and Rippin because they needed the quote-unquote roster spot so They've got a plan there. I, I've, I already have heard that they reached out to Brian Hoyer, so that that is definitely a guy that's going to be firmly in the mix. But the problem is Brian Hoyer is going to draw a lot of interest. Think about the Indianapolis Colts, for example. Who, by the way, only have Jacoby Brissett and, and uh, Chad Kelly, who's on. He's suspended. So, yeah, you uh, you have to make some kind of move uh, if you're the Indianapolis Colts too. So yeah, I mean, there's going to make some moves inside linebacker. That's a guaranteed one, I think. Offensive line is a guaranteed one at this point. And, you know, at that point, I mean, and it sounded like returner, you mentioned that that's another one. Well, offensive line, let me just address that for a moment. The Broncos kept eight. That is the fewest offensive linemen they've kept on the initial 53-man roster since John Elway became the head of football operations back in 2011. Jake Rogers was the surprise there at offensive tackle. Um, That being said... I don't know if I'd sleep too well if I were him going into the uh, next uh, 24 to 48 hours. That's an area the Broncos need to upgrade. I think they feel good about Elijah Wilkinson as the first man in. They like the potential of Austin Schlotman as an interior uh, backup, but I think that's someplace they may target quarterback. Let's talk about Brian Hoyer for a moment. That's interesting because he does know the scheme. That works in his favor. He did mention at the Super Bowl last year how he liked working with Rich Gangarello. But he didn't play very well in the scheme. And if you look at his form the previous two years before he got to San Francisco in this offense, his passer rating was in the 90s in Houston, in the 90s with Chicago, and then it dipped to 74.1 with the 49ers, and they let him go at midseason. The Patriots brought him in to back up Tom Brady. So while he knows the scheme and that helps, is he really proficient in that scheme or do you look in another direction? I think it's going to depend on just who else might be out there. And you mentioned the Colts. The Colts could probably offer Brian Hoyer a lot more than the Broncos can because they're sitting on oodles of cap room. Yeah, I think they're number one, actually, in the league. Well, the the 
what what Brian Hoyer represents is the consistency of a guy, a veteran that has a lot of experience. Something that we kept coming back with Kevin Hogan saying, can Kevin Hogan be that? He only had one start under his belt. We, we kept kind of lauding Kevin Hogan as the guy that could be that for the Broncos. He never showed it. In fact, more often than not, we talked about Kevin Hogan as it relates to Brett Rippon of who's going to separate. Look, Kevin Hogan shouldn't be trying to separate from Brett Rippon, an undrafted rookie. He should be ahead of him. That was never really the case, and that's why he's not on this roster. Brian Hoyer represents exactly what they need. And I know that you're you're 100% right about the numbers and what his upside is. If you ever had to go to Brian Hoyer as a spot starter, you're probably not too thrilled about your prospects there. But then again, if you're going to waivers right now looking for a quarterback, you're probably not excited about many of these guys. Kyle Laletta, I mean, you're probably not excited about any of these guys. It represents a downgrade for what you have. And generally speaking, that's what your backup is. The scheme familiarity, I think, kind of restricts you to guys who are let go by the Rams, the 49ers, the Vikings. Brandon Allen was an interesting name that popped up, of course, who started for the Rams against the Broncos last week, and there were reports on Friday that the Rams let him go. He doesn't have the experience but he under in terms of starting experience in the league, but he understands the scheme, and that may be a direction the Broncos choose to go in. We'll, we'll see. It's going to bear itself out, but you have to have a backup quarterback because right now, Drew Locke, six to eight weeks, with the thumb injury. And I want to touch on the injuries here for a moment because you have Theo Riddick, Drew Locke, and Jake Budd all going to IR. Now, when you go to IR in the regular season, you can recall them. And just any guy you put on IR in the regular season is recallable. So that it's not really a, desti- a, a designation. You don't have to preset who's coming back anymore. But you can only bring back two of those guys. And... Furthermore, if you get another injury to a key player, name your stalwart starter, Jawan James, Vaughn Miller, Chris Harris Jr., Philip Lindsay, you can go down the list. If they have an injury in the first month and they come back in the last month of the season for a playoff push, if you're able to have that kind of run, then you're looking at a scenario where two of Jake Butt Drew Locke and Theo Riddick can't come back because then you'd only have one spot left over. So it's a little bit of a calculated risk. We don't know for certain if Drew Locke is going to see the practice field this year, even if he's healthy. Exactly. And actually, as John Elway initially announced it as recallable IR, realizing he doesn't really have to announce anything, and it felt like he left the door open throughout the course of the press conference that they could just kind of shut him down for the year. They want him to keep working, keep learning. And it seems like an okay scenario if you get the backup quarterback that you're hoping to get, right? If you get if you get a guy that you can trust behind Joe Flacco, and you feel you feel good about that, they could still make a trade. I mean, there is a possibility there that that still seems to be open. But uh, in the end, with Drew Locke, I feel like you're you're kind of on the right pace there. Because what if you get another injury? Then you again have to consider your options there. I feel like Drew Locke is, if I'm going to call call my shot now, I think he's done for the year. But here's the thing. What if the season doesn't go the way you want it to and Drew Locke is healthy? If the Broncos struggle early and are in a position where you would want to give him some reps, some starts at the end of the year, if you can't recall him, that's shot. And if you can't get this team back to the playoffs – to me, a significant secondary goal of the 2019 season 
is starting to find out what you have in Drew Locke. Now, you're thinking right now in terms of winning now, and it's a decision that you don't have to make on Drew Locke until down the line. But in the back of your mind, I think you have to say, okay, one of those spots is for Drew Locke to get him out there if we're in a scenario where we can really help ourselves long term by getting him on the field and starting to find out what we have in this guy again it all relates to who they bring in a backup if they bring in a developmental style backup like Allen, that's an interesting decision and maybe that's the route you go you're you're putting him on the field to get some developmental time if you go with a brian hoyer and you have to go to your backup well you kind of know what brian hoyer is and and so you're not necessarily putting brian hoyer in there with an intention of like oh maybe this could be the guy this isn't that's not the scenario that's not why you're here brian hoyer <laughs> no offense dude but but in in that vein i see i see your point and that's why you don't have to announce anything and that's why it'll be riddick but and Locke. assuming no more injuries pop up it'll be the three of those guys practicing remember they had that one week kind of trial where they get on the practice field you see what they look like and you can decide from there and I mean, right now, you, you may not need Jake Butt to come back this year. Maybe the three guys you have, and, and they could consider adding another one, obviously, but the three guys you have, and you might have one on the practice squad, maybe that's going to be enough. You don't never know. And same thing with running backs. You may not have any injuries at that point, and you may feel pretty good about it. Well, that's why one of the more interesting things I think that John Elway said on Saturday was when I asked him about fullback, what you do without Andy Janovich, he pointed to looking on the waiver wire at tight end. Now, they had Orson Charles in, and he did not end up sticking on the 53-man roster, of course, with Orson Charles. You also have to note that he is a vested veteran. So if you had him on the roster for week one, you'd be on the hook for the entire salary. I wonder if the solution, at least for the first few games, may involve... Getting by with what you've got, say, Troy Fumagalli at fullback in week one when you have to go to a fullback set, and then in week two maybe you bring Orson Charles back if they don't see a young fullback they like out there on the waiver wire. And I wouldn't be surprised if George Aston is also on the practice squad. And, and that was kind of what I told you when we did the pod following the Thursday game. I said I could see them rolling with three tight ends, seeing if it works with Troy Fumagalli in the meantime, and then if, especially if they don't see anybody. Now, again, you, you said it perfectly. This is like a rough draft 53-man roster. That, that's kind of what it looks like right now. Uh, we know three of these guys are going to be going to IR. That leaves three roster spots open, not to mention what you said about the offensive line, what we know about inside linebacker. They're going to be adding to all of those. They have to add another quarterback. So we got another four or five moves, basically, that we know for sure at this point. And then uh, outside of that, then you get to the punt returner. Brought that up with River Craycraft. Boy, what a what a tough moment for River Craycraft. Uh, was asked about it. I know it was your question. You asked about it. And yeah, John was like, well, we're looking into that. And then it was kind of an ellipsis. I mean, River's the guy right now. That was painful. <laughs> I like River Craycraft. We've talked to him more than a few times over the last couple of years. And... As John Elway saying that, I really felt bad for River because you know he's watching that at some point, maybe not live, but probably seeing the Twitter mentions and oh boy, oh boy. I mean, I thought it was interesting how explicit John Elway was about the moves they're making and that they're going to make, even though you can't put names to them at this point, that 
Oh, we're going to look on the wire for a tight end. We're going to look at punt returner. We're, you know, we're going to bring in Corey Nelson at linebacker. He was very candid today in a way that he isn't always at this roster deadline press conference. Well, some of it to me feels pretty obvious based on the depth and based on what we all know about the depth. So you're right. I appreciate him not sugarcoating it or patronizing us in the media room because, look, the questions we're asking are all very obvious about the holes in the roster. And he says, basically, I see the same holes. And, uh, you know, and, and you're right. Sometimes as a GM, you want to kind of couch that as, oh, no, we love the guys we have. But in the end, look, we, he acknowledged Corey Nelson is going to be coming in and, and visiting. They know that inside linebacker needs some help, and Corey Nelson's also a good special teamer. That, that makes a lot of sense if you're going to end up signing him. Is that bad news for Josh Watson, who it would be cool to see him stick. I think he's more probably practice squad guy at this point. But in that respect, you know, hey, you're, you needed a vet. Did we not say that over and over and over again? You need a vet inside linebacker, and Brandon Marshall's name came up. I don't think the Broncos really ever had a lot of interest in that. It doesn't seem like that to me. But Corey Nelson, with his experience with this team, helped them win a Super Bowl. I could see why that would make sense. There's another thing with Corey Nelson, special teams. Because among the guys that were cut were Jamal Carter, who was trying to make the transition inside linebacker. Listening to Vic Fangio talk about Jamal Carter, it seems pretty obvious that if he passes through waivers, he wants him back to continue that development. And I think the best path for Jamal Carter, if he's going to be an inside linebacker, is keeping him around for this year, letting him develop. And if he passes through waivers, bring him back, get him in the weight room. If any Later on, if a team tries to poach him, maybe you move him to the 53-man roster, do something to keep him around. But you've got to play the long game with Jamal Carter if that transition is going to work. They lose Shamarco Thomas on the back end at safety. That hurts you on special teams. Um... Sua Craven's not really involved in special teams. Diamante Thomas, a special teamer, he's let go. So some of those moves, frankly, necessitate having a Corey Nelson on the roster because you're still trying to figure out who the leaders, who the key components are on the third phase of this team. Nelson can be a boon to you right then and there, in addition to providing some experience depth, a guy who won't find anything to be too big for him. I like the idea of him coming back. A couple of things that I'm really excited about with this roster, and they acknowledged it in the midst of the press conference about Mike Purcell and sort of his ascension throughout the course of the preseason and training camp. I got a chance to actually talk to him uh, on Friday about all of that. And it's a guy that his experience uh, in the league has taught him to kind of you know go with the flow when it comes to these things. But he sort of snuck up on us. I, I think we talked about him very early in camp a little bit, but we all kind of just assumed Zach Kerr was in that role. And he just kind of kept coming and kept coming. In the final two preseason games, boy, he really lit things up. I like him. I like Justin Hollins a lot. I, I don't know how much run he gets in the first season here, but he's going to see the field. And again, I've really liked the way he's kind of been an ascending kind of player. So there's some guys that are really exciting on this roster that we know are for sure on the team. And, you know, in, in the end, I think the only guys that, like, like, for example, Trey Marshall made the roster, but ultimately, as you mentioned, because a lot of safeties were really banged up, he did a good job. I, I think Vic Fangio said it perfect. His overall game was better than the other guys, but it also, because of the numbers, a lot of guys got hurt. 
And and again, we both agree Jake Rogers is probably one of those guys that uh, we'll be watching very closely to see what the Broncos are going to do. As it is right now, he's the eighth offensive lineman. They have Elijah Wilkinson listed as a guard and tackle. He played both Thursday night. So I don't think Jake Rogers gets a jersey, but he is on the 53. I want to touch on Malik Reed before we go because it was no surprise he made the roster. Vic Fangio confirmed it Thursday night. But he's going to play. This is not someone who's going to be inactive. I would say probably in terms of playing time, maybe ahead of Justin Hollins at this point, just because Hollins, yeah, he can go inside and outside. But Malik Reed is the next man up on the edge. If something happens to Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, or just when one of them needs a breather, Malik Reed's going in there. So not only is he on this roster, I expect him to play 10 or 15 defensive snaps against Oakland on Monday night to open the year. I'm glad you brought him up. Yeah, another ascending player. A guy, he got hurt, a little banged up there in the middle, but when he came in in that final preseason game, you saw him dominating against threes and fours. That's what you want to see, a guy that has the ability to play in this league. They dominate, dominate against threes and fours, and he did that. Yeah, he's he's carved out a role. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's not only about carving out a spot on the 53. It's about carving out a role on game day, too. And we, we can easily, as you pointed out with Jake Rogers, we could easily kind of go through and then mark off the seven guys that are probably going to be game day inactives. But... Malik Reed is not going to be one of those guys. He's the third outside linebacker, and that, as we've seen in the past, is a huge role. Does it provide any concern for you that you see three guys from day three of the 2018 draft on the list of players let go? No surprises. Dave Williams running back, offensive lineman Sam Jones linebacker Keyshawn Bieria. Bieria is probably the closest to the bubble of those three, but the back end of the draft, I understand that the odds go down. A little bit lottery ticket situation, but still, uh, that's three guys the Broncos uh, brought in in the draft that uh, just last year they're no longer with the team. It doesn't bother me because, as you mentioned, it there are lottery ticket dart throw picks usually in that case, and honestly, it's kind of it kind of reminds me of like with the Patriots, for example, of why they ended up letting go Duke Dawson is because they had undrafted and late round cornerbacks that stepped up and ended up being better than what their second rounder was now. You don't see that very often, a team letting go of a second rounder after one year, really. But in the end, I think the Broncos, and if you, you list those three guys, I think they're better at those positions than what their draft picks ended up being. So, I mean, you know, for example, with uh, Dave Williams, I mean, they picked up Philip Lindsay in free, as a college free agent, obviously much better. Inside linebacker, I think they've got better guys than Keyshawn Bieria. And uh, offensive lineman, I think Sam Jones they're going to probably try to bring back. He strikes me as a guy they like to bring back. But in the end, if you have better guys, whether they're undrafted or drafted, I think that you end up being a better team. What's interesting is you can point to all three of those spots, and there are undrafted guys from last year that made the 53 Austin Schlotman, for example. Jake Rogers on the offensive line at inside linebacker Alexander Johnson, was brought in in August, but he still counts as that college free agent undrafted guy. And, of course, Philip Lindsay at running back. Sometimes it just works out. The Broncos are still among the best at finding undrafted guys, and it was another good day for that with Malik Reed and Josh Watson, both Mountain West guys, making the team as undrafted rookies. We'll see what happens with Josh Watson uh, pending the expected addition of Corey Nelson. So here we are. That's the 53. 
the no. the end of the beginning. I'm sure it's if you're listening on Sunday night, there'll probably be some moves and you'll be like, oh, that's outdated. But that's just how it goes. It's a fluid situation, especially when you're the Broncos. You don't have a, a top waiver claim, but you're not bad. You're in the 10th spot. You'll be in the 10th spot for a few weeks. So it gives them the chance to maybe add uh, two, three, four guys, maybe some more over the course of the first month to bolster the back end of the roster. That's So it's going to bear continued uh, monitoring and Part of how roster building never really stops. It's a big day, but uh, it's not the only day. Ryan, appreciate it, man. I will talk to you next time that you and I are going to have the mic together. Probably, uh, would it be pregame before Oakland? Uh, let me think. No, because that uh, that's on a Monday. So okay. it'll probably be on the, the Sunday after that uh, against Chicago. Well, I'll talk to you then. You can listen to Ryan Edwards on Broncos Country tonight. Uh, I'll be kicking back up Tuesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time, KOA News Radio, Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright. For Ryan, Andrew Mason, thanks for listening to the Broncos Audio Zone.